now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. And hello there, folks. Welcome to the Monday edition of the podcast. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, and uh, I hope you're having a great Monday wherever you're uh, listening to this during the past, present, future hour. And uh, yeah, I hope you all had a good weekend. And uh, we don't have too much to cover here today, kind of was a quiet weekend uh and uh you know we still have a whole uh you know slew of news to cover this uh week uh that will probably happen you know soon here but uh at any rate folks there are a few things that i do want to cover uh on today's show Mainly, I want to start off by covering James O'Keefe's exit from Project Veritas, if you will, or rather just give my uh, thoughts on that real quick. Um, Because uh, during the whole, uh, you know, during that whole incident when James O'Keefe apparently got fired as CEO of Project Veritas, I was, uh, that was, you know, during the time when my grandfather passed away in early February. And, uh, you know, I, I, I heard what happened, uh, you know, with James O'Keefe and, uh, you know, that he was basically fired as CEO from, uh, you know, Project Veritas, or that he was rather asked to step down. Um, And so people asked me to weigh in and give my opinion on this, since, uh, you know, many longtime listeners of the show, going back to the days of the Whitfield analysis, uh, you know, know that back in the early days of uh, my career as a podcaster and, uh, you know, back when I used to host the Whitfield Analysis on Block Tech Radio, uh, that was during the whole Tea Party era back in 2010, 2011. And that was during the time of, uh, you know, Project Veritas. James O'Keefe had just started uh, PV. And that was during the infamous ACORN, uh, you know, uh, scandal that uh, took down Acorn and made uh, you know James O'Keefe uh, you know an infamous figure overnight and uh, you know in a uh, enemy of the far left uh, overnight as well. So you know from that perspective, ladies and gentlemen, let me just say that. Uh, as far as productive, as far as productive Veritas goes, I have, for the most part, always been 
uh, behind Project Veritas, and more specifically, I have stood behind uh, James O'Keefe. I think that he does a lot of good work for the con for the conservative movement. Not even the conservative movement, but just citizen journalism in general. He is, I would argue, a modern Bob Woodward. He's actually going out there and asking the uh, tough questions that very few people want to ask. Uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of the uh, tapes, you know, of Project Veritas, a lot of that is all independently done. Uh, you know, it's not a publicity stunt. Uh, the media likes to try and spin it as such, but no, those hidden cameras are all ordinary citizens, you know, going out there and, uh, you know, doing undercover journalism and scooping real stories. So, you know, from that perspective, Project Veritas has always done good work. Um, and in fact, I was actually at one point considering uh, joining Project Veritas. I went on their website and I applied, uh, but I got an email back basically saying that because I was already a, uh, you know, because I was already somewhat of a public figure, uh, you know, even with my small presence that people might recognize me for being a, uh, you know, a conservative podcaster and not want to talk to me. So, you know, there is that, but, you know, at least they were fair in, you know, saying that they didn't think I would be a good fit for them in that perspective. But, uh, you know, I, I've never interviewed James himself on the podcast. He is a guest I would love to get in the future someday, but I, I do know some, uh, Project Veritas journalist, or rather former uh, journalist with Project Veritas. One of them is my friend uh, Dan Sandini, who uh, used to do a, you know, a YouTube channel uh, called Daylight Disinfectant, which is, uh, which was documenting the Occupy Wall Street stuff out in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Dan has since moved to Florida where I am actually, and he and I connect every once in a while. And, uh, you know, I would be, I would be curious to see what he thinks of all this, uh, you know, project Veritas stuff with James basically being forced to leave. Um, you know, I would like to hear his, his perspective on that. Um, you know, and I also know Leo Stratton who, uh, unfortunately, Leo is no longer with us. Uh, he died in a car accident a few years ago and, uh, you know, tragically is no longer with us, sadly. Um, but he was a great citizen journal journalist as well. Um, and then I've met a few other, you know, people along the way that have been associated with Project Veritas that, uh, you know, I know them, but they haven't wanted to go on camera yet or anything. So, 
you know, I haven't, I haven't really reached out to any of them regarding their thoughts on, uh, you know, the James O'Keefe firing from uh, Project Veritas. But, you know, here's what I can say based on what I know. Uh, James seems to be, a, you know, an honest and uh, upstanding guy. He seems to be very, uh, you know, ethical uh, in his reporting. Maybe he might have to do some you know, unethical things to get the truth sometimes. You might have to bend the rules to get the scoop. But the best journalists usually do in actuality. And, uh, you know, I, I do think it's, uh, you know, it's it's a bit weird and, um, you know, a little bit suspicious the way that... Uh, he was, I guess, dismissed. I guess his board wanted him to, uh, you know, I guess some uh, board members of Project Veritas accused him of, like, trying to embezzle money or something. And I don't know if I buy that story fully. There, there, are, a lot of, there are a lot of particulars within, you know, his dismissal that I'm really not sure what happened about. I've, I've heard very conflicting things on the reasons for his dismissal. And, uh, you know, I know that's what people want my opinion on, but the, the truth is folks, I honestly don't know, uh, you know, the circumstances of his dismissal, like everyone else, I can only, uh, theorize at this point, but that is also why, I want to have people on who have been uh, associated with Project Veritas. And uh, I will be working on getting them on the Wednesday show here soon. But, uh, you know, let me say this in regards to, uh, you know, James O'Keefe. Whatever he does in the future, whether that, you know, stay with, whether that be, you know, staying with Project Veritas or whether that, you know, be starting his own, you know, his next venture. Uh, I will be there with bells on to at least see what he does um, because I do think he is an interesting figure. And honestly, you know, I've said this before that, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh was the reason why I started podcasting and. Uh, broadcasting on radio, but it was really Andrew Breitbart and to an extension, James O'Keefe himself, who really showed me through their example, just how powerful, uh, you know, this new media, uh, although it's not so new anymore, we've had social media, you know, for at least 15 years now, probably. But you know, back in the day, back when I started podcasting and whatnot, this whole social media landscape was still new, and conservatives did not know how to navigate this space at all. And a lot of them still don't, 
but the effective ones now are getting censored, uh, you know, the bejesus out of yours truly, for example, you know, no longer has a YouTube, as I've discussed at length, uh, you know, over the past couple episodes. But, um, you know, James O'Keefe and Andrew Breitbart really back in, you know, 2010, 2011, really when I started uh, podcasting, Rush was the one who laid the ground out for how to be a successful, uh, you know, talk show host and whatnot. But it was Andrew Breitbart and James O'Keefe that really showed uh, myself and many other young conservatives at the time how to disseminate the uh, information and how to be effective in this new, you know, 21st century landscape of the internet. And, you know, Breitbart's been gone since 2012, so a lot has changed, obviously, since then. But James is still here, and one thing I would definitely like to ask him, you know, out of curiosity, is I would like to hear his opinion on how the landscape of you know, media and citizen journalism have, has changed since he started because it has sure, sure changed since I started my, you know, podcasting and, uh, you know, media career almost 15 years ago, uh, coming March. Jeez, uh, we'll be celebrating the you know, we'll be celebrating, I'll be celebrating 15 years of podcasting on March 25th uh, of this year. That is, uh, wow, that is unbelievable to think on. But, um, you know, I don't know if James O'Keefe did anything wrong. I don't know if, uh, you know, he got framed or set up. I know that people on Twitter are kind of theorizing that, oh, Project Veritas was subverted by the left, and that's why uh, James O'Keefe was outed. It's 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 the deep state going after uh, O'Keefe now that Biden's back in office. Uh, I don't know that that's the case. I, I would find it highly... Let me let me put it this way. On the one hand, I don't think that would I don't think that would happen. I think Project Veritas uh, probably has a good method for keeping uh, you know uh, ne'er do wells out of their uh, you know employment lines, much much less out of their uh, you know boardroom meetings. Um, so you know, I think they probably have precautions against such a thing um but then i also think that you know on the other hand anything's possible these days right folks so you just never know in regards to that type of behavior um you know more than likely what happened was it was just a, a business decision gone south and changes were made um, and now O'Keefe is going to move on and do his next project. Um, but that's why I want to get people on from, 
Project Veritas um, to discuss that and uh, see what they have to say for themselves. So I will be working on that in the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, one final thing on the James O'Keefe subject, I did watch his farewell address as CEO when he, uh, you know, gave his farewell address. And obviously there were, you know, some sad things, but he seemed uh, very genuine and very honest about how, you know, he's done some great work, but he also made some mistakes. And uh, people asked me if I might be willing to, uh, you know, do a breakdown of the video. And uh, if people really want that, ladies and gentlemen, like maybe on like a Friday or some extra day, I might do that if you guys really want it. But by and large, uh, I don't think there's any reason to. I'm trying to keep these Monday podcasts under an hour long if possible. Um, and that farewell address of his is like 45 minutes long in total. And for me to, you know, pause a few minutes and break it down would just add a lot more length to it. But, uh, you know, if that is something that you guys want, maybe we'll do that once one of the Project Veritas people are here on the program. We can maybe, uh, you know, do that if that's something the audience would like. So, uh, you know, reach out to me. Let me know in the comments on uh, Odyssey or Rumble if that's something that you want. And, uh, you know, or if you're listening on the podcast, uh, yeah, you know, send me, an, send me a note on my socials and let me know if that's something you would want. But, uh, you know, in essence, I just wish uh, James O'Keefe the best of luck in whatever venture he pursues. And, uh, you know, those are my thoughts on the matter for right now. All right, so with that out of the way, folks, I do kind of want to shift over to something, uh, you know, a bit more lighthearted and a bit uh, more entertaining and fun. So uh, I have not watched Saturday Night Live in probably since I was a freshman in high school, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, both of my, uh, you know, favorite SNL personalities, uh, you know, Dennis Miller and Norm MacDonald, their errors had already come and gone from uh, SNL really before I was even really around, right? I'm kind of like a nostalgia uh, guy for that sort of thing, as most people know. Uh, so, you know, SNL, when I was growing up, had kind of gone downhill, uh, but they have had good bits over the years. And thankfully, because of the internet, there is a way to, uh, you know, view some of that stuff that's pretty, uh, you know, good. So uh, I guess this past weekend, Woody Harrelson, who I had always thought was a, you know, Hollywood lefty by default, uh, Apparently, he dropped a few bombshells 
about vaccines and uh, big pharma. Uh, I've seen little bits and clips of this, but I've not seen the full monologue. So uh, what you'll be seeing is my genuine reaction to this. And I am uh, genuinely curious as to what the whole hoopla is that. So uh, here is uh, Woody Harrelson's SNL monologue from, uh, you know, the other night this past weekend. Uh, and yeah, let's go ahead and uh, roll the tape here. Hello, you beautiful people. And, and you ugly people, too. No, I jest. Uh, this country seems so divided, beautiful, ugly, black, white, blue, red. I love everybody. Maybe because I'm a redneck hippie. Uh, you know, the red in me thinks you should be allowed to own guns. The blue in me thinks squirt guns. <laughs> so, I'm red and blue, which makes purple. Uh, I'm purple. So, this is my fifth time doing SNL. Yeah. And you know what that means. No jacket, oh, okay. Um, the last time I did SNL was around Thanksgiving 2019, three years ago, and you would not believe what happened after the show. <laughs> the next day was a Sunday, as it always is the day after I do Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's like a pattern, I noticed. Anyway, I went walking in the greatest part of this. His, uh, you know, he does have a little bit of Norm MacDonald, uh, and Emmer, you know, I guess he's from that generation of uh, comics and, and for those y of you uh, young Zoomers out there who may be watching, uh, Woody Harrelson got his start on a show called uh, Cheers, which was the prequel to a series called Frasier, which I have referenced often on this show. So, you know, go watch both of those. You're welcome. City Central Park leaned against a tree and started to read the craziest script. Oh, okay, full disclosure, I smoked a joint first. <laughs> the reason I like herb more than alcohol is because it makes me feel good, no hangover, and I never wake up covered in blood. <laughs> but regardless, I have decided to quit smoking pot altogether and I'm sticking with it till after the show. Uh, yeah, last week in Austin, I was talking with my friend Nick, and we have a lot in common. He wrote True Detective, and I was in True Detective. I'm vegan, and all the animals he eats are vegan. Uh, 
Anyway, I was complaining about how I start smoking around noon and get progressively dumber as the day unfolds. <laughs> Forget basic words, simple objects, e t cetera. <laughs> and I, I was hoping that the wifey poo might say, oh, no, that's not true. But instead, she says, at least you're aware of it. <laughs> and I say, well, that, that doesn't feel like much consolation. And she says, think of all the dumb people who don't know they're dumb. You're ahead of them. <laughs> oh, thanks, hon. Uh, but on top of the herb, I'm a wee bit of a, are we a bit of a drinker? I don't know why I went Irish. Anyway, but but in a personal triumph last year, I had that's seven... uh, that's racist against Irish people, Woody. Bad. No, just kidding. Uh, you know, so far nothing really controversial here. I'm I'm not sure what all the fuss is about, but uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's see here. I. I saw some highlights, but yeah, let's uh, let's keep going here, shall we? Seven months with no alcohol. <laughs> and five glorious months. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, oh, yeah, I was telling you about that script. So uh, I blaze a fatty. Which, uh, you know, I, I got in L.A. At, at my dispensary, the woods. I mean, obviously, I didn't <laughs> transport the herb from California to New York, because that's highly illegal. <laughs> my manager, Jeremy, did. Yeah. He, he muled it from L.A. Uh, yeah, he's speaking of Jeremy, he's here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's newly single, ladies. Very handsome. I know he would prefer <laughs> that I talk about our movie Champions. It's coming out in two weeks. <laughs> it's a comedic masterpiece, but I'm not here to sell Champions. It's, it sells itself. Projections, projections have it making more than Avatar. But whatever, I'm no salesman, you know, I don't know. Uh, where was I? Yeah, okay, no, so three years ago, Central Park, Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, trying to resist the temptation to puff too early in the day. Of course, I succumbed. Like a lot of people, I have a devil on one shoulder, and on the other shoulder, I have a larger, more frightening devil. And there's a battle going on in here, you know? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that I am many different things. Anarchist, Marxist, Marxist ethical hedonist, non-discriminatory empath, epistemological deconstructionist, Texan. <laughs> but back to the tree in Central Park in that script. Right, put yourselves in my place. Lay the curve of your neck against the roots of the tree. What, what kind of tree was it? I mean, what kind of trees they have in Central Park? Oh, yeah, it was a palm tree. <laughs> so lay, lay your head on the palm, fire up a hooter from Jeremy, <laughs> and start reading. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together 
and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes, and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is gonna believe that crazy idea? <laughs> Being forced to do drugs? I do that voluntarily all day long. <laughs> anyway, it's about that time. Come on. <laughs> Still no Jack. Holy shit, that was... Okay, that was a little bit brilliant, not gonna lie. There, let me go back. It's very subtle what he what he does. And over, I threw the script Okay, let's see here. Frightening devil. <laughs> And there's a battle going on in here, you know? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that I am many different things. Anarchist, Marxist, Marxist ethical hedonist, non-discriminatory empath, epistemological deconstructionist, <laughs> Texan. <laughs> but back to the tree in Central Park in that script. Right, put yourselves in my place. Lay the curve of your neck against the roots of the tree. What, what kind of tree was it? I mean, what kind of trees they have in Central Park? Oh, yeah, it was a palm tree. <laughs> so lay, lay your head on the palm, fire up a hooter from Jeremy, <laughs> and start reading. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug... All right, this is going to be good. Start reading. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes, and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea <laughs> being forced to do drugs? I do that voluntarily all day long. Wow. Okay, so this is a six-minute lead-up, basically, to a 30-second uh, red pill here left. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, and, and the other funny thing is, is he's building up along the way saying, hey, I'm a bit, you know, uh, red. I'm a bit blue, too. I'm purple. I've got, you know, some socialism in me. I've got some, you know, uh, right wing in me, too. I'm a bit, you know, so he is he's setting it up and he's slipping it in there. Well done, sir. I, uh, yeah, this has been, that 30 seconds has made people lose their mind. But, uh, yeah. So, wow, well done, uh, Mr. Harrelson. Well done, sir. Anyway, it's about that time. Come on. <laughs> Still no Jack. Okay. Well, we got a great show for you tonight. Jack White is here, so stick around. 
Okay, yeah, so that's pretty much the end of the monologue there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he basically laid out what Big Pharma's plans have been, you know, in, in the in the scenario for the, uh, you know, in, in the form of like an imaginary movie script. And that is the thing, ladies and gentlemen, is we are living in a time now where truth is stranger than fiction. Ten years ago, if you had told me ten years ago that we, that in 2020 we would all we would have all been locked in our houses and you know forced to. Uh, wear masks out in public and whatnot. I probably would have said, "Wow, that's a really good idea for a for a science fiction movie." But now, look at where we are, folks, and I I think that's his point overall. Uh, you know, very very subtle throw throw a line there. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering. Uh, you know, I know Woody showed his uh manager uh you know in the shot there but uh i'm starting to wonder if uh you know if he has the same manager uh or what's gonna happen to him but uh anyway i i like i said well done uh mr harrelson well done um so yeah that was just kind of my little fun uh reaction to that um and really i don't have too much else to cover on the show today as far as topics go um couple quick housekeeping things that i do want to uh mention a lot of people have been asking if i'm going to start an uh, a uh, another youtube channel uh, for the podcast. And, uh, you know, I think I've made this answer pretty clear, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but at this point, no, I have no intention of starting a, uh, of starting a new YouTube channel for the show. At least to live stream it. The reason being primarily is because, uh, you know, I I already have uh, a YouTube account that I use to watch videos just casually and, uh, you know, tune in to other people's streams. uh, And I do not want to uh, get that account banned, uh, you know, by posting twr content there uh and then you know starting another uh channel for the whitfield for technically that would be ban of agent and, and although i don't really care about youtube's uh rules in regards to that or although i normally wouldn't the thing of it is is building up a a youtube uh you know audience Again, I mean, it took me roughly 10 years to 
build up the Whitfield Report channel. Um, or now more like eight years because I started in 2014. But still, you know, it took me it took me a decade to get where I am now almost. And I was 200 away. I was only 200 sub, subs away from uh, getting wet, from getting a, a thousand subs. And they whacked the channel, uh, you know, before I could make that happen. And on top of everything else, they, you know, they would constantly, I got two channel strikes and not just that, but they would constantly, they would constantly hide my streams, uh, you know, in the algorithm, the algorithm would not show my content in people's feeds. Uh, people would get unsubbed from my channel constantly or have to, you know, resubscribe notifications would never go out on time, um, you know, for the channel. So, you know, in, in essence, um, you know, YouTube, even if they don't ban me, even if they, even if they didn't ban me, they, they, uh, you know, they made life difficult for the, you know, for the podcast. And then on the day I come back from hiatus, that's when they strike my channel down ultimately. And ladies and gentlemen, at this point, and I'm recording this episode on Monday, February 27th, 2023, YouTube has still not given me a reason uh, as to why my channel was terminated. I appealed to get the channel back. And they have not gotten back to me. And I'd like to think that's because they're manually reviewing it. But honestly, that's probably because they just haven't reviewed it yet. And you know what? I'm pretty sure they're not going to, to bring the channel back. So, look, I know that I know that YouTube is the biggest platform out there as far as videos and streaming go. I know that it's, you know, convenient. I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's just so easy to click on a live stream and watch, you know, that's why people in, enjoy it just because we're used to it basically, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're used to YouTube in our lives. And I, I, and I get that. Okay. I get that full stop, but when YouTube makes it nearly impossible for a small independent content creator like me to grow, right? To grow my channel when really I'm, you know, I'm not putting any content out there that's really edgy or anything. And yet they've still been, you know, pretty censorious to me over the year, over the years. So they've fucked with my you know, content, they, you know, they deranked me majorly on YouTube and then they ultimately shut my channel down in the midst of a broadcast when I was eulogizing my grandfather. 
and they never gave me any reason as to why that stream was shut down or why my channel was terminated. Let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, why would I start another YouTube channel? We have all of our content over on Odyssey. We have, well, most of it over on, on Odyssey. We have all of our content on Rumble. I have nearly every episode of the uh, show distributed as a podcast, which you can either watch and or listen to on Spotify. And you can definitely listen to every episode of the show on pretty much any of the audio platforms. So folks, I mean, like I said, I know YouTube is convenient, but we have other uh, alternatives. And quite frankly, based on what I'm hearing, uh, you know, even if, even if I were to get monetized, right? Let's say I were to get my channel back and somehow I were able to make it to a thousand. Cool. Um, you know, YouTube is taking over 40% or 35% of Super Chats uh, last time I checked. Uh, memberships on YouTube, they're, they, they're, they're taking a percentage of that. So unless you have a, a so unless you have like a major channel on YouTube, it's really it's getting really difficult to gain traction over there, ladies and gentlemen. Odyssey is only difficult to grow because not too many people know about it. And I suspect that's going to change because with YouTube's new CEO coming in, you know, we'll, we'll cover that more when it becomes official and we know a bit more about the guy. But from what I'm hearing, he's not much better than Susan Wojcicki. And so I think you're going to have even more of a massive influx of, uh, you know, creators to platforms like Odyssey and Rumble. Maybe not Rumble so much for normies because Rumble is kind of seen more as like a conservative platform, but definitely Odyssey. And that is the key, right? We need to get more, uh, you know, non-political, uh, you know, non-culture war, uh, you know, content creators on platforms like Odyssey. And it is starting to happen, but we... You know, we definitely need more, uh, you know, content creators over on Odyssey. This is not me, uh, you know, I'm not sponsored by Odyssey either. So, you know, this is me just independently saying that, you know, the more independent content creators go to Odyssey, the better. And we're already set up over there to take memberships ladies and gentlemen, we already accept Super Chats on Odyssey. Yes, it has its, uh, you know, glitches at times, but so does YouTube. 
it works out more often than not better, uh, you know, than YouTube even at sometimes. So in essence, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to say here is that yes, I will continue to try and appeal, uh, you know, to YouTube and uh, see what I can do to get the old channel back. And for all of you who are reaching on my behalf, I really do appreciate it. However, that is at the bottom list of my goals and my priorities list right now. My main goal for right now is to grow the Odyssey channel and the Rumble channel. Although, to be honest, like I do like Odyssey's uh, you know, platform a little bit better. So that's my goal. So that is my goal to basically try and migrate all my subscribers over to uh, Odyssey as best as we can. And again, I mean, I know money is tight, but the more people who can, uh, you know, subscribe and do the memberships thing per month, the better. Right on a good night, let's say if if I were to get all my 800 or so subscribers to basically move to Odyssey, right? And then let's say on Wednesday night, 60 of you, which is usually what, uh, you know, on a good night, that's usually what the streams get is around 60. If even 10 of you were subscribed at the $5 you know, a month level, that would really start to bring income for the channel. I would be able to upgrade my equipment more, uh, you know, get some better, you know, sounding mics and, you know, an audio interface and all of that. And we could start to maybe throw some members only events, you know, maybe do like a monthly call-in show. Maybe even do it weekly, you know, just for the members. You know, these are the types of things that I want to be able to give you guys, you know, as host of the Whitfield Report. Um, and these are the things that right now only Odyssey, uh, you know, and to a certain extent, Substack allowing me to do. You know, YouTube's not doing it. YouTube... You know, you have to cr you have to crack a thousand just to uh, be able to be monetized for pennies on dollar. So it, you know, it, it's not worth it at this point, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you know, I hope you're gonna understand that. But I really wanted to uh, just take a moment to really address that for you guys as to why I'm not pursuing uh, YouTube ultimately because I think in the long run it'll be a waste of time for this show and yeah we might be slow to grow right now but as more people go over to odyssey and seek out these new platforms i think will be pretty golden in the future and uh you know with that in mind folks i think that'll about do it for the uh you know for tonight's show uh joining us on wednesday we will have uh, Craig D. Mansfeld, who is a uh, chemical engineer, and he will be joining us 
on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Uh, to discuss these train uh, derailments that have been going on over the country uh, of all the chemicals and, uh, you know, the, the, the situation in Ohio and all that. I'll be asking some of the conspiracy related questions and, uh, you know, hopefully he can either, you know, confirm or disprove some of them. And as I said, Mr. Mansfeld is an actual chemical engineer, so he knows what he's talking about. I don't know his background too much, so I'm sure we'll spend the first hour or so of Wednesday night's show getting into, into that. But, um, it should be an interesting conversation. I'll have a lot to talk with him about, and uh, I'm sure that either Shmuley or Max will be joining us for that show. Um, so that'll be Wednesday night, streaming live on uh, Odyssey, and uh, Rumble if I can get it to work. And as always, the podcast we will be available uh, you know, next day on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. Uh, so you know, be looking forward to that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for tuning into the show uh, tonight or whenever you're listening to this. God bless, God, freedom, legacy, in that order, and I will see you on the next show. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash Whitfield Report. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order.